Welcome, Dr. Raylia Liu from Women's Health Melbourne. Hi. Raylia, what is PCOS? PCOS is such a big topic and I really think we should cover it in a few different episodes uh, because it is a huge topic. It's a syndrome and the reason we call it a syndrome is that it's kind of a a state of being, I suppose, that you can flux in and out of Mm -hmm. as a woman and there are particular risk factors that can um, put a woman into a situation where she's kind of ticking all the boxes of having the syndrome. And it is variable and it's something that lifestyle can actually impact. So the way we live our lives means that in Western societies, certainly there's a lot more PCOS than there used to be. Oh, okay. Right, so environmental Um, factors play a big part. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas our genes haven't changed that much. Yes. Our our genes evolve but slowly over hundreds of thousands of years, but our lifestyles changed dramatically in the last couple of centuries. Okay. And so polycystic ovaries just mean big, healthy ovaries with lots of eggs. Okay. And that can be, it can be an advantage to the modern woman to have a polycystic ovary. Okay. Um, So I think an important thing about PCOS is uh, not to stress too much about it as a a kind of a label. I think we hear the word syndrome and think. (gasps) Yeah. And people think cysts on the ovary are something bad or something pathological, whereas actually when people name the syndrome polycystic ovaries, it just means that they have lots of little early developing eggs coming into the same stage of development at the same time on ultrasound. And while that is the result of A, genetics and B, a healthy big ovary and C, the hormonal and what we call endocrine or and kind of... um, general environment that the ovary is functioning in Mm -hmm. um it's not something bad in itself in fact it can be an advantage yeah okay so who who has it so polycystic ovarian syndrome has been defined in various ways but the most commonly used current way of defining it is using criteria called the rotterdam criteria Mm -hmm. and the rotterdam criteria were developed by an organisation called ESHRAE, which is the European Society of Reproductive um, Endocrinology and Infertility. Okay. And basically you have to have ticked two out of three boxes. Mm-hmm. You either have to have a polycystic ovary on ultrasound, so an ovary that has lots of eggs. Yep. And that's been defined in various ways and the definition has changed. Okay, yes. But I'll talk about that in a minute. So a, a big, healthy over with lots of eggs. Yep. You have to have symptoms of hormonal imbalance. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's one of the boxes that can be ticked. You need two out of the three. Okay. And that can be things like having um, high levels of androgens, either clinically um, in terms of symptoms, like having excess hair or having acne. Mm-hmm. Um, or just biochemically having high androgens on a blood test. Okay. And you have to also um, have the option of ticking the third box, which is having irregular menstrual cycles. Yep. Now, you need to tick two out of those three boxes. Okay. And when I say irregular menstrual cycles, it can mean having no periods at all. Yep. Or it can mean having periods that are just less frequent than most people. 
Um, so for example, the average woman has a cycle that's about 28 days in length. So some women with PCOS do have periods and do ovulate, but they do that sporadically. So yep. they might have a cycle that's 40 days or 45 days or yep. one month, 35 days and one month, 42 days. And, yep. and that's a very common experience with polycystic ovaries. One important aspect to polycystic ovarian syndrome that's not actually even given any credence in the criteria is insulin resistance. Yep. And some women do have um, significant insulin resistance, uh, which is a contributing factor to whether or not they have PCOS. And a lot of these things can run in families also. So your genes determine whether you have PCOS. Now, as well as ticking two out of the three boxes mm -hmm. for the Rotterdam criteria yep. that we talked about. You also have to uh, have no other kind of medical underlying issue that could stop you from ovulating or that could mimic the symptoms of PCOS. Like, for example, androgens can be made by the ovary as they are in PCOS, but they're also made by the adrenal gland. Some people might have a tumour of the adrenal gland that causes high androgens. So... Basically, with PCOS, the disclaimer at the bottom of the Rotterdam criteria is that you have to tick two out of three boxes and there can't be anything else going on in your system that could be the cause of the same set of problems. Okay. So there could be crossover between symptoms for PCOS and other things? Absolutely. Okay. Like, for example, there's a genetic condition called congenital adrenal hyperplasia. That's uncommon, but it happens. Yeah. And women with congenital adrenal hyperplasia look like they have PCOS, but right, they, don't. they don't. No. So, okay. So I think this leads nicely into how's PCOS diagnosed? So PCOS diagnosis is what we call a diagnosis of exclusion. So that means you have to do all the tests mm -hmm. for all the things that could look like PCOS, but may be something different yep. and make sure that you've excluded all of those things. Okay. And then you have to make sure that a woman does tick the box with two out of the three Rotterdam criteria. So often for PCOS, what we do is we do a whole set of hormonal tests. Mm -hmm. I also organise tests for insulin resistance. So I see how a woman deals with sugar metabolism. Yep. Uh, and I make my patients, poor patients, do a fasting glucose test. They have yep. to get up and have a, um, a test before breakfast. Yep. And if I'm really suspicious that they might have really severe insulin resistance or if I'm even worried about diabetes... I might make them do what's called a full glucose tolerance test, which is when we do a glucose challenge with a sugar drink and see how your body copes with that. Right. Um, so that's like, that's like the test for gestational diabetes? Yeah, exactly the same thing. Okay. And in terms of the other tests, I check all the hormones made by the pituitary gland and I check all the hormones made by the ovary and some of the hormones made by the adrenal gland and just make sure that nothing's out of order. And then I usually do an AMH test, which is a kind of egg counter test. Yeah, which we've got an episode talking about. Yeah, because it's always high in PCOS and it helps clinch the diagnosis. Ah, okay. So often you'll look super fertile if you've got PCOS. Yeah, yeah so you'll have a high egg count. Yes, of course, because you've got polycystic ovaries. That's right, <laughs> because each of those little cysts, it's not really a cyst, it's an, it's an egg no, sac. No, it's no, like no. A, it's a, it's a follicle containing an egg. Right. And um, I'll also do an ultrasound to look at a woman's pelvis and the time of the cycle is usually um, a good time to do it. It's just after a period. But, of course, with women with polycystic ovaries, sometimes the periods are infrequent and it's hard to know exactly when they're coming. Okay. So it doesn't have to be. You can just, we, we just try and do it as best we can. 
So you've been, you've gone through all these tests, and you've fulfilled two out of three criteria from the Rotterdam protocol. What what would the state, what would happen for treatment? I suppose there's two different streams for treatment. Um, one is when it would sort of depend on what your symptoms are. So what are the symptoms if you've got PCOS? What might be some symptoms? So women with polycystic ovaries um, who do have the syndrome uh, can be carrying extra weight, but not always. Mm -hmm. So there is a whole category of women who have polycystic ovarian syndrome who are, you know, not overweight at all. Yep. Um, there are others who are significantly overweight. Mm -hmm. And there are some women where weight is important and there are others where it isn't. But that itself yeah. can be a symptom of PCOS. Yeah. And women with PCOS, because of insulin resistance and metabolic issues, can find it harder than other people to lose weight. Right. Um, which is a challenge. Okay. So in terms of treating that symptom, you've been a bit overweight, it's, it is just diet and exercise. Yeah, look, it's a holistic perspective on, on management because in women who weight is a big part of PCOS, yes. even reducing um, kind of weight by increasing the met metabolism a little bit can actually make significant di differences to other symptoms. Okay. And other symptoms can be things like having excess body hair and that can happen um, on the arms and the legs or even in other places like the tummy or the back. Um, different women experience it different ways. A lot of people get um, facial hair, which is upsetting. Yeah. Um, probably excess hair was more of a clinical symptom years ago, but now most people who it troubles do have access to things like hair removal and yeah. laser and that kind of thing. So a patient so it's might patient complain about it, but they might, you might not see it as a doctor or okay. notice it yourself, but patients do know. know about that. Mm -hmm. um, acne is also a problem with okay. uh, acne persisting beyond the teenage years. Yes. And um, that also is something that can be driven by high levels of androgens. Mm -hmm. um, androgens are sometimes mislabeled as, as male hormones. We all have androgens yeah. and androgens are actually the building blocks for estrogens. So we need them. They're totally necessary for women uh, and they're important for things like our sex drive and they're important for things like uh, making sure that we don't run out of eggs too soon. Yes. So androgens have a really important role in women and um, we're not born hairless. We have hair. Yes. But um, certainly... You know, by today's standards, you know, a lot of people do remove a lot of hair. You know, I'm, I'm not making a political stance on that, but yeah. it's, it's just fashion that people remove hair from legs and arms and things like that. Yeah. And women with PCOS might find that a problem. Okay, because I just have more hair. So yeah. we've got possible, possibly overweight. We've got acne persisting beyond teenage years. We've got a bit of extra hair than the average person. How... Sometimes hair loss as well. So some women with PCOS experience hair loss. From in, their head. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that can be very distressing, especially if it's extreme. Yes. Uh, but th those are the main symptoms that bother people. So with certainly the first three, they they could happen to anyone. Um, well, how how would they know that it's attributed to PCOS? And also, it's the fact that it often happens in conjunction with a menstrual cycle that's not normal, okay. and that can stress people out. Yeah. Um, even women who aren't trying to get pregnant mm -hmm. um, might worry about having an irregular cycle just because they don't know when their period's coming. It might be really heavy when it does come. It might be a little bit disordered. 
uh, women with polycystic ovaries and, and the syndrome who don't have regular periods are yeah. actually at an increased risk of endometrial what we call dysplasia and, and hyperplasia and cancer. Okay. So the, the lining is designed to shed. Yes. We are meant to have periods. Every 28 days-ish. Periodically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the lining's not just meant to grow and grow and grow. And when it does, yeah. um, when we don't ovulate, when we don't have progesterone in our system to settle down, the estrogen-driven growth of our lining of our uterus, our endometrium, yes. cells can make mistakes and, and kind of um, predispose to a cancer. And unfortunately, I have seen young women with polycystic ovarian syndrome present with endometrial cancer prior to having completed their family and needed to have a hysterectomy, yep. um, you know, on several occasions. Okay. And when you so, say young, what does that mean? Oh, like in 20s and 30s. Okay. So it's, it's one of those things that... Um, we really have to protect women by making sure that they know that the endometrium has to shed. They have to have a regular cycle or they have to be on something like the pill. Okay. So protecting so, so endometrial problems is, is part of looking after someone with PCOS. So that's if the PCOS is not treated and this has got nothing to do with getting pregnant. This is just day to day. Yeah. You are diagnosed with PCOS. You do need to do something. Yeah. Endometrial protection is important. Okay. And it's the pill. Uh, the pill's one thing that you can use, but you, there's lots of different ways of doing it, but it just means that if you're not having a regular cycle and we can't achieve a regular cycle immediately with lifestyle change... Yeah, you're not shedding. ..then we need to, you know, kind of treat that issue to protect the lining of the uterus and to protect your fertility for the rest of your life if you're a woman with PCOS because most women with PCOS do go on to have families um, naturally without um, too much trouble. Yeah. Um, women do worry about infertility when they have a diagnosis of PCOS and it is definitely harder to get pregnant if you're not releasing an egg. I always have to say, you know, you've got to release an egg. You've got to be in it to, to win it. You've got to, you've got to release an egg to, to have an opportunity to get pregnant and you've got to have sex at the right time and you've got to know when that time is. And, and that's really the main barrier to women with PCOS getting pregnant is that they, they don't ovulate regularly. Some women don't ovulate at all. Yeah. And when women do ovulate, Naturally, they may not know when that is going to happen. Yeah. And so they can't premeditate having sex when the egg is ripe, yes. um, when the right time is to, to get pregnant. And I always say the egg is like a shooting star. Yeah. So the egg has a 24-hour window to be fertilised. And so if you don't know when you're going to ovulate mm -hmm. and you can't really premeditate it, yeah. um, then it's just luck if you get pregnant. If you are trying to get pregnant and you've got PCOS, what does this mean? So I think we should do a whole episode on that. Okay. Why don't we break into yep. PCOS trying to get pregnant yes. and PCOS not trying to get pregnant. Okay, sure. So next episode we'll do PCOS trying to get pregnant. So next week, part two on PCOS. And in the meantime, if you'd like more information about Dr. Radia Liu and Women's Health Melbourne, you can check her out on the socials or on the website, womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. See you next week. Mm -hmm.